What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and the focus is on metal, so turn it up. Focus Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to, yes, another week of Focus on Metal. Got a great show for you this week as we bring you not one, but two Johns. That's right, John Bush, as well as a a returning interview with John Karabi. So, yeah, a whole lot of metal goodness for you. So, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably know at this point that Armored Saint was heading out this summer on a tour in which they're going to play Symbol of Salvation in its entirety. That puppy kicks off on July 10th in Poughkeepsie, New York, and runs all the way in through uh, August 18th when they uh, wind up back home at uh, L.A. So a uh, little, uh, little summer tour along with our, our buddies in Act of Defiance celebrating Symbol of Salvation. So, of course, John is on the show this week to talk all about the thought process behind that and what is going on with them. But uh, also got to let you know that uh, Metal Blame will also be re-releasing the uh, album on May 18th. And it will be a, there'll be a vinyl remastering as well as a CD deal. The CD one will also include a couple of demos. And then the vinyl one, like just really good stuff done up by uh, by Patrick Engel. And yes, there will be some very cool vinyl versions. Besides the 180-gram black vinyl, there'll be a dark red maroon marbled vinyl. It's uh, 300 copies of that, only going to be over in Europe. They've also got a clear red, purple, black, white splattered one. 200 copies of that puppy. Again, only going to be in Europe. Uh, they've got a violet, rosy, brown, uh, marbled one in the U.S. That's 300 copies. And then a pastel pink, lilac one that will be available in... Uh, the U.S. for uh, uh, 200 copies worth. So again, you probably want to get in on that uh, as if you want one of those limited ones very soon. So uh, there you go. So of course, John is going to be on the show this week. Although he doesn't touch on the uh, the Metal Blade reissue, he does talk all about the tour and, and all that good stuff. So uh, that is why we have John on board this week. And that is very cool because you long-time Focus on Metal listeners will remember that, uh, the, you know, Armored Saints is kind of one of our uh, one of our pet bands here on Focus on Metal, especially uh, when uh, Jay was with me doing the show. We always were talking about The Saint, and uh, Symbol of Salvation was definitely one of those albums that was pretty high on our list of uh, metal albums to worship. And, of course, always wanted to have John on the show anyway, so uh, this also kind of puts a check mark on that box as well. And then after that, we head over to our second John of the episode, and that would be John Karabi. We uh, talked to him back uh, last year, and he's back on the show again this week, primarily to talk about the upcoming Dead Daisies release, Burn It Down. That one is due to drop into our laps on April 6th. But uh, you can go up to uh, to Amazon and get a few of the uh, tracks that have been released already. There's uh, two or three of them that are available. But uh, that is why John Karabi will be back with us this week talking about uh, what's going on with the Dead Daisies, uh, change of personnel, all that good stuff. And then also Richie took the opportunity to just touch base with him a little bit on uh, his Rat Pack release. For those of you that don't know, uh, you know he did a release on Rat Pack where he uh, did a show in nashville celebrating the uh, the motley record that he did doing all those great songs again live because uh he never never really had a chance to do them live with motley so very cool uh album there as well so uh great to have john back aboard this week he's always one of these guys it's great to talk to very open very honest and uh yeah as i said very happy to have him back on the show this week so with all of that going on this week we are going to forego track of the week going to launch into a little bit of saint and from there go right into richie's talk with john bush
Hello. Is that John Bush? Yes, me. John, hi, it's Richie from Focus on Metal. Hi, Richie, how are you? I'm very good. Are you on the West Coast? I'm in Los Angeles, my home. Oh, nice. Can nice. you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. I'm, um, okay. I'm just outside of Boston, but you can probably tell from my accent I'm originally from Ireland. I, I can tell. Yeah, so I don't know how many I don't know how many Irish people you're going to be talking to today. <laughs> um, you would probably be the only one, but um, you know I am a big Boston Celtics fan and all the Irish connection yeah. with um, Boston and uh, you know Armington just played actually in Ireland um, last year and it was awesome. For yeah. first in Dublin and and then we were in Northern Ireland and both that. So okay, very cool. I was just going to ask you that had that Armington ever played there. We yeah, for the first time actually it was uh it was awesome. We okay. we had a great show in Belfast. <clears throat> Dublin was cool too. It was a pretty funny situation that had happened at the Dublin show where my in ear got stuck in my ear and um it, we had to stop the show and have everybody like it was about like a fifteen minute period of time where we actually had to stop the show and um we um People were trying, like, giving me tweezers, and it was pretty funny. But, it, it, you know, it was one of those moments that was spontaneous, so it was funny. But, yeah, luckily, I actually ended up doing the rest of the show without, um, with the thing stuck in my ear. And then, um, and then we, um, at the end of the show, like, this support act, and it was actually a band from Ireland, um, the guy had tweezers, and he, like, pulled pulled the thing out of my ear. So we had to do a little... Little surgery backstage, <laughs> um, pretty funny. But um, yeah, you know we had I love Ireland, and uh, you know we had a great time, and uh, uh, you know so everybody loves Boston. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So we're finally playing Boston now, right? Because the last time we played um, Massachusetts was Chester uh, with Saxon, and that was in '15. So we haven't played at Boston. Man, I can't remember now, to be honest, in Boston outright, so uh, I'm going to be happy about it. Yeah, I was at the show, the Saxon show, and I got in and you guys were already on stage, and you were standing up on one of the cabinets, and I'm like, you were like <laughs> 10 feet off the air, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> hey, there's that dude. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I like climbing on stuff. <laughs> you like getting stuff stuck in your ear, and you like climbing. You're a dangerous guy, John. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I all of a sudden I started sounding like I was my son. All of a sudden, when we were describing this stuff, because that would be the kind of things he does. But he's ten, so you know, <laughs> to still haven't grown up that much. You know, yeah. it's funny. I I like, get mad at him for something, and then I'm like, dude, that's the same thing you would do. How dare you? You know, I'm like a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> the amount of touring you're doing now, John, do you think it's just about right? Um. Well, in terms of, um, you know, the symbol thing that we're doing? No, the amount of touring in general that you're doing. I, I know you're all very busy with other stuff. Do you think that you've just got it right now, the amount of shows you're doing every year? Well, we, we only did eight shows total in the year 2017, so that wasn't very many. Um, I think that, you know... It was funny, I was just talking to Joey on the phone before we got on, and uh, we were talking about this one show that we may or may not do that we got an offer for. It's in Ventura, California, maybe a couple hours away from L.A. And we're just kind of saying, should we do it or not? Because it's a little festival, but really, and, and I was speaking to somebody in an interview earlier today, and I was telling him that, you know, for for Saint, I think that the the best thing for us to do is just to play, like, strategically good shows um and that is the right situation for us and therefore we don't overplay because we're not in any danger of that but then when we do play it's exciting and it's like uh kind of an event because on the thing doesn't play that much so we kind of we kind of walk that fine line and that's what we're trying to do and um <clears throat> as i was explaining to the guy before it's hard for me to leave because i, I don't like leaving my house i don't like leaving my family i don't you know, I'm not somebody who uh, really, you know, <clears throat> wants to go away from his family a lot. You know, it's it's very difficult for me. It's uh, emotional. So um, when I, but that being said, I love playing. So I guess it would be great if I could clone myself. Then one guy could go on the road and the other guy could stay home, and that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But that's just not going to happen. But um, you know, I just think that um, it's about playing the right shows 
And, you know, we're certainly going to do that with the school symbols, right? I think that's, that's going to end up being the right thing. So. Yeah. Now, now, whose idea was it to go out and play the album in its entirety? Was it management or was it one of you guys? Well, the management is us. So okay. <laughs> we're, we're basically self-managed with the exception of Joey actually being the primary manager. But, um, uh, you know, we, we kind of run our own ship. So uh, all the decisions are really our own. But, um, you know, we're trying to kind of bridge two uh, studio records together. You know, When Ends Down, which we love, came out in 15, and, and we want to put out a new record, and, and we can get a record out next year, which I think is, is doable, although I don't know when. Uh, and that would still be about four years since our last one. Um, we certainly don't move that quick, but we but we know we we want to get something out eventually, fairly soon. So to kind of link those two records together, sometimes you have to do something. And you know, we had this idea of doing like a a full blown concert DVD that which we've never really done a proper one of a of a same show. So to do that, then we had the idea of like doing a record in its entirety and and simple things like the logical choice because. I don't know, it's just, uh, you know, it's the one record that people feel emotionally con- connected to on, uh, you know, in the world of armor chain. I think people love a lot of our records, but for some reason that one record is the record that I think people just, it was a record that almost didn't happen, you know, it came on the heels of Dave dying and, um, you know, it's it just us regrouping and it was like the Phoenix Rising record. And so it just makes sense that's the one that we should do. Yeah. Now yeah. I I spoke to John Karabi last week, and I don't know if you know John, but he did the I, Mo- I know what's John. Yeah. Yeah. He did the Motley album in '94, and for its anniversary, 25 years, he went out himself, and 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 you know he was doing the album and all that, and but and he'd never really done a full album before. Um, like if you you've never done a full album before, or any of the Armored Saint stuff, have you? Like, how did you feel? I about don't know. It? I have not. So how did you feel about it when it was first brought up? Like, was your initial reaction like, no, because it might bring back some emotions that you really don't want to, you know, revisit? Oh, no, I'm embracing all that. I love it. Um, it's, you know, we, I love a lot of those songs. You know, I don't know if it's a flawless record, uh, to be honest. But I do think it's an amazing record. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, there's a few songs on that album we've never played or we haven't played in years. So those will be challenging to kind of learn again and to kind of uh, relearn. Um, and it's, you know, it'll be fine. And then there's other songs like Another Day, which I've always thought was a brilliant song that we've never really played by too many times. Um, I think the challenge is going to be, you know, to pull it off. I mean, you know, I made that record in 1991 when I was like 26 years old and now I'm 54. So to sing those songs, it's going to be a challenge and, you know, I'm embracing the challenge, but it, you know, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to make some adjustments in how I sing it and, um, um, and probably how we play it. But I think that, you know, as far as doing it and, and feeling close to the material and, and embracing it is something I think that we're all very excited about. Yeah. Cause the one thing John said, and you alluded to it there, that John Karabi was, he was like, shit, can I even sing the stuff the same way? Because, the guys can play it all the same way, but the focus right. is going to be on the singer to see if you can hit right. the notes that you used to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, I might have to make some adjustments, you know, just because as I just explained to you, I'm, <laughs> I'm honest with myself and I'm, I'm older and, you know, my voice is a little different than it was, you know, when I was then, but, um, you know, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be about the moment of the of the night and playing those songs and connecting with those fans and and playing songs and um and you know what it what it does to make people happy because they people love that record and um you know maybe all the, the you know the scrutiny and you know going over it with a fine tooth comb is something that you know uh, yeah, whatever I saw you two do you know Joshua Tree and you know I love I love you two and. Um, you know, it was amazing. It was an incredible show. I wasn't sitting there dissecting every single aspect of the record. Maybe, I'm sure some people do and will, but, you know, I was just kind of in the moment of it. And, you know, that's and that's what concerts should be, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course you want to hear the music the way you remember it or hear it, but you're also in a moment and you're listening to it and you're you're at the concert and you're you're getting into it and, you know, you know I mean, uh, you know, I that's what I want to do is just be in the moment. So, um, you know, 
everything else is is kind of secondary. Yeah. only going to do the whole album in the uh, like in the set or so you can actually tell stories maybe about some of the songs or do you plan uh, on I'm adding sure. some other stuff yeah no i'll tell a little bit uh, about a few songs and you know we are still fighting for some set ways and you know ways to kind of transition from song to song and we're still getting we haven't even rehearsed yet so we got to figure that out but you know i have some ideas for that and i'm sure we'll add a couple other same songs because you know it's only 12 songs so we'll play a couple more um, yeah, we're, we're going to figure all that stuff out, but I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a fun adventure. Mm-hmm. And are you going to play it in the same running order as the record, or are you going to change it up? Do you think? No, I think it should be in the same running order. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to ask you a quick uh, question about Dave Jordan, who worked on that album, and you did uh, the sound of white noise with him. What made him a great producer for you? For me, um, well, Dave was awesome because he was just a no you know, no bones about a human being. You know, he's just, he's a straight up guy. He's, um, you know, has a good sense of humor. He's very, you know, he's, he's kind of dry, but he's, you know, funny at the, uh, in the way he, um, kind of talks about things. And, um, you know, I, I loved working with Dave, you know, I thought it was always fun. I don't think he, I think he's about capturing a vibe and not necessarily, you know, going over everything in a, you know, a meticulous fashion. I think it's more about the general overall song and how it comes off in the record. You know, you hear that with James Addiction. You hear that with Allison Chains. Um, he was the kind of guy that made records that had an incredible vibe to him more than anything. And plus the sonic sound-wise, it was great too, of course. But, you know, even more than maybe the sound was the vibe to those records. Um, there's certainly a vibe to symbol. There's certainly a vibe to sound of white noise. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you could take the offspring and, and these are just some of the records that I remember made back in the day that, that I felt like he, you know, took those bands to a whole other level. So, um, you know, I love Dave. He was a, he was a great guy to be around. Um, we're real sad that, um, the engineer who worked on those records, uh, for at least the two that I did and, um, symbol salvation, Brian Carlstrom, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, Brian was awesome, and he was Dave's right-hand man for those recordings, and he was a big part of them, and, and sadly enough, he passed on. But, um, you know, we had great uh, experiences that. We, um, just, we had a lot of fun making those records. Uh, like I said, well, even I could speak for the Antarctic guys, I think for the most part, they enjoyed making Sound of White Noise, and, um, you know, we love making Simple. I mean, for us, that was, that was the record that, like I said, it wasn't, kind of it wasn't gonna happen and then we regrouped and we got Phil and Jack back and then we got Dave and we were we signed a metal blade and Brian was, you know, the leader of the ship and, and it just was it was it was right, you know. Yeah. Some weird stuff kinda happened after that in the in the process of touring and the, the results of the record that, you know, was a whole other story. But, you know, that's irrelevant now. What matters is is the the record and how that record came out, and um, and what it meant to all of us. So yeah, I think yeah. It was now, great. 
I remember growing up and, you know, I heard of you guys. I don't know whether you toured Europe a lot in the 80s. And we just, didn't. You didn't, yeah. And when that, <laughs> no, album, when that album when that album came out, Kerrang! was raving about it. And it was like, I can't, where are these guys coming over? When are they coming over to actually see them? And you never, you no, never you, made, you, you never made it. No, you know, the first time we ever played London and the history of the band was on Symbol Salvation. We played it in Arcade, but we never really did a proper tour of the UK. We never really did a proper tour of Germany. Um, you know, it was, a, it was, that's a whole nother, a whole nother issue that, uh, doesn't sit well with me with Saint because our Saint had a huge vibe in Europe going back to, 1984, you know, and 83 when, you know, we were just uh, a band that people were excited to hear about and, and, and wanted to see. And the fact that we didn't actually make it out of European soil until 1999 when we hit Dynamo Festival, which is ridiculous. It was just a terrible, terrible decision and, and some bad business and, and really kind of set the band back in Europe. And it wasn't, we didn't want that. We wanted to go to Europe all the time. And we had this big vibe and you know, back in 1985, I was on the cover of Kerrang! And so, it, you know, it was just, a, it was a bad decision made by, you know, the label and the management. And, and uh, you know, it still doesn't sit well with me, as you can, as you can plainly hear. It, it still pisses me off. But, you know what? You know, I got to let it go. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, in the meantime, we've, we've made up for a little off time in Europe. And uh, we've been there lots of so. Yeah, I just got a couple of questions, John, before I leave you go. Um, the Act of Defiance guys, do, do, do you know those, Do you know them at all that are supporting um, you? I know Chris real well, and um, I just met a couple of the other guys the other day that we did a, some kind of video ID, and they're super nice guys, and uh, they're doing really well. And Chris is an awesome guitar player and a great person, and um, we're good friends with him. So um, it should be fun. They're, they're going to be a nice contribution to the, to the show. Yeah. Now... I saw Anthrax last Saturday night, and they were great. Oh, but cool. There's that 10-year gap in between when you were in the band, and they don't play anything off it. And this year, of course, is the 25th anniversary of The Sound of White Noise. Are, are you thinking at some stage you're going to go out there and play those songs again with a band? I mean, you know, I've, t- I've told people that I've uh, entertained the idea. It just has to, it has to be right. Um, it has to be right with, um, you know, who I do it with, and um you know the shows themselves um you know if if it's if it's a right scenario and the right situation then I, then I'm open to it for sure um i said that recently it, but you know i don't i'm not planning something out it's just i'm just kind of you know figuring it'll happen in an organic way when it does okay but i am open to it yeah. okay and and just a final question before i leave you go there's a lot of metal projects going on now with all different singers. Like, um, have you ever been asked to do any of them? Well, I did them in Little Allegiance, uh, a song on the second record that they're putting out. Um, it was, um, it was, I did a show with them. I actually played Blue for One More um, here when they played out in Anaheim here uh, in conjunction with the NAM Festival, NAM, mm-hmm. NAM Convention. And uh, that was awesome. And to play with, you know, Dave Ellison and, Andreas and Portnoy and, um, you know, Skolnick. I mean, those guys are incredible musicians and it was quite an honor. So, um, uh, you know, it's probably one of the few times I've done something like that. I, I don't do that too often. Um, you know, I'm just not like a jam kind of guy and go out and, you know, spread myself around. I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm, I just don't, it's not my thing, but. I really enjoyed doing that, and the, the song on the Metal Regents record that's going to be uh, coming out soon, I think, is killer. So um, it was it was an honor to do that. Nice, nice. So, John, um, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people got in, can get in touch with Armored Saint? Oh, uh, this is the Armored Saint, you know, Facebook page. That's the best place to uh, you know say hello and you know spread your thoughts, and uh, that's the best place. That's what I say. Thanks, John. Well, I'm going to go to the the show in Boston in the summer, so. I'm really looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, please come up and say hello to me and, re- and introduce myself. Uh, introduce yourself and uh, you know, let's talk about you know this interview and please say hi. Okay? We'll do, John. Have a good rest of the day and thanks for talking to me. Thanks. No problem. Take care.
Okay. See you later. Bye. All right. Big thanks to John Bush taking a little bit of time to talk to us about the upcoming Symbol of Salvation tour. And if you're interested in pre-ordering the uh, the reissue of Symbol, you can head up to IndieMerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. And all the bundles for that are up there ready for you to order. And again, if you want to see if Saint is coming near you, you can go to ArmoredSaint.com. Calm. And I mean, holy crap, what a choice trying to figure out a few tracks to play from Symbol when I just want to play the whole damn thing for you. So why don't we move on to our second guest of the week? That would be John Karabi. Hey guys, this is John Karabi, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Turn it up, strap yourself in, and get ready for the stories, baby. Yep. As I'm sure most of you have heard by now, the Dead Daisies are putting out yet another album that would be called Burn It Down. That thing rolls out on April 6th, which, by the way, that is coincidentally the uh, the release date for part two of Inside Metal, The Rise of L.A. Thrash Metal Part 2. Just figured I'd uh, I'd throw that in there so that everybody knows. Yep, so Burn It Down out on April 6th. I am looking forward to this. Uh, Always looking forward to a Dead Daisies release so I can get more of the uh, guitar goodness that is Doug Aldrich. But uh, this week, not Doug, but uh, John Karabi coming back on the show to talk about the uh, the latest Dead Daisies, the the timing, the recording schedule, the uh, the new drummer with Dean Castronovo coming in, all that good stuff. So why don't I get that rolling for you right now? John? Yes, is this Richie? Yeah, how you doing? All right, buddy, how are you? I'm okay. Sorry I'm late. This That first first interview I did ran over about 10 or 12 minutes, and I'm just trying, I'm trying to get caught up. So Okay. Do you have I someone, apologize. Do you have someone scheduled at 2? I uh, I literally have a uh, interview every thirty minutes till about seven o'clock tonight. <laughs> oh shit! All right, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get through it as quick as I can. Oh, it's nice to talk to you again, by the way. Um, when did we talk the last time? The live album came I, out. I'm thinking this is my yearly call with a lot of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were actually uh, you were up my neck of the woods last week. Um, I'm in Massachusetts. You played a couple of shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played in um, the Cannery. Yeah, and a place which is actually a really cool place. It's called the Vault. And it's called the Greasy Luck. Uh, Brew Greasy pub. Luck Brew pub. pub. Yeah, which is it's a fucking awesome place, man. It's really cool. I guess it's a new place. They've only been open for a few months, but what a cool venue! Nice. It was really awesome. Was this a acoustic shows or with a full band? No, it was just you know I wanted to do full band shows, but um, it, it's unfortunate. Like fortunate, but unfortunate. Um, now I've got scheduling issues because all the guys in my band are actually Gene Simmons' solo band. Okay. And then my son is the my drummer, but he just he's kind of being dad right now. He just him and his girlfriend just had uh, identical twin daughters. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, they're they're you know everybody's kind of busy, so I'm like, all right, fuck it, I'll just do it myself with an acoustic. So okay, um, yeah, that, that that's basically what I'm doing until I go out with the daisies. Yeah, do, do you get is it more nervous for you to do an acoustic show because you don't have the volume to hide behind? No, it, you know it's it's just the, the the hardest part about doing the acoustic shows for me is um, when they don't have enough PA in the place like there's a couple places where i'll go in and it's just like this little kind of pa on a pole and then they'll have a monitor and i really i'm just an odd duck when it comes to the acoustic shit i like having the guitar come back at me really loud you know so sometimes i get in there and um there was a couple shows on this last run where i had um you know, I could actually hear over my guitar and my vocals coming back at me through monitors. I could hear people talking in the audience and it's really distracting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that that's probably the hardest part. I, I actually like doing the acoustic shows. Um, I have a good time and it's very loose. Like, I'll just go, what do you guys want to hear? And if I can play it, I'll play it. Even sometimes like I'll get halfway through a song and fuck it up and like, well, that's all you're getting. Let's do something <laughs> else. You know what I mean? So it's it's really low key. It's funny. It's jokes. To I tell jokes. Um, you know all this other shit and and it's just fun. Yeah. But the thing that annoys the shit out of me is when I'm in a situation where the audience, like I can hear people talking. 
okay, louder than my guitar. And I'm like, fuck. You know, and I don't want to be an asshole about it, but there's a couple places here in Nashville that do songwriter nights, a place called the Bluebird Cafe. Okay. And once somebody starts playing, they won't even serve you. They're like, that guy's playing for 15 minutes. We'll serve you a drink in 15 minutes when he's done. Like wow. they, And if you even lean, like if I was sitting with my wife, I even lean towards saying something to her in her ear, they'll fucking embarrass you. They'll be like, dude, don't fucking talk while the artist is playing. Wow. You know? But it, it is distracting. It's, yeah. it's a bit distracting. Yeah. For me. Like I, fl- I flub words and pull chords because and, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to this guy talk to his wife about, you know, whatever. It's so I, I immediately start listening to that conversation and I don't realize what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. I was listening to an interview today. Um, one of the soccer players back home in Ireland, he was talking about his super, like his superstitions. Are you superstitious as a musician that you have to do certain things before you go in and record or maybe before you go on stage? You know what? I find myself like, it's funny. I'll find myself saying I'm not, but then I'll talk to like my wife or one of the guys in the band. They'll sit there and they watch me get ready for a show and they'll sit there and go, okay, I don't know if you've realized this, but you put your bracelets on the sit. Like I have these, all these beaded bracelets Mm-hmm. that fans give me and they're like you put them on in exactly the same order every night like, <laughs> do, do, do you realize you're doing that and i'm like no 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 i didn't yeah you put the black one on first then the red and black one then the brown one then the two white ones in the front it's and you know and it's just like this weird thing but i guess i i guess maybe to a degree i am you know what i mean it's I just, um, I didn't realize that I was, but I, I guess apparently I am do you, do you, a little bit superstitious. Do you think the musicians by nature, a lot of them like are probably creatures of habit that you've seen maybe other musicians in the past do superstitions where you scratch your head and go, Jesus, that's dumb. Yeah, you know, Motley had a few that I I can't even really discuss with you. But, <laughs> um, th- there there was a few things that Nikki would do before he would go on, and and uh, you know, I was I was like, okay, that's just gross or uh, that's weird. Uh, Got to do it. That's I've been doing it for you know thirteen years, and I'm like, okay, okay, whatever, dude. You know, just stay over on that side of the room, whatever. You know, and um, I don't think I'm quite that bad, but it's like I just kind of have these little things where I, I do this first and then I, I got I just I have a method of getting ready. And then when I'm ready, I don't stay in the room like I kind of go off by myself and I'll do just do some little vocal warm ups or whatever it is and just try and, you know, be prepared, get myself together. So yeah, I guess I'm a little superstitious, you know. Okay. Okay. Can I just ask you a couple of questions on on the the, the one night in Nashville before I get into the, the dead daisies? Sure. When that was initially brought to you, that idea was your first thing to say no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for for many reasons. Like, you know, it's funny. I, I I don't really focus on what a lot of people think of me or say or whatever, but I was, you know, my manager's the one that brought it up. He he said, Motley's on tour. They are not going to do any of that stuff. Do you realize it's the 20th anniversary of that record? And I go, nope, didn't, didn't, didn't realize it. So he was like, well, you know what? I think you should go put your band together and just go out and do a little run. He goes, you know what? You guys didn't play that, that, that you know even in motley he goes you guys didn't play that material in a lot of places the tour was very short it wasn't a success so we went home with our tail between our legs so he was the one that suggested me doing it and i'm like nah you know i don't god you know i I don't know you know because a lot of fans are like you know I, i even today i was just reading something today in reference to the record i got a review on the record and and some of the fans are like 
That's all Karabi talks about is fucking Motley Crude thing. He's riding her coattails. He's blah, 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 whatever. And they think that I'm just milking something that I did 20 years ago. So I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Um, but then I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? My manager's actually right. Like we never really did play a lot of places. So I can't really take this, you know, all over the world and do this show. So let me just record an album. I'll put it on vinyl or whatever you want to call it for prosperity. And if anybody wants to hear what it could have sounded like or what it did sound like or whatever, then it's, it's there. They can, they can hear it. Um, you know, and, and, and that, that was it. Plus I got to be honest with you. I was a little intimidated after going back and listening to the record, the original record. Yeah. I'm like, fuck man. I, I'm like 20 years older. I don't know if I can sing this shit anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking when I was screaming, smoke the sky and some of this shit, but I go, I was a little intimidated, like, fuck, like, I got to go back now and redo this material. Yeah. Um, but it worked out. Um, everybody that saw the shows was like, fuck, that was killer. Um, I got to be honest with you, the guys in my band did an amazing job learning the stuff. I was so, and it, I know it's my son, but I was so impressed with my kid. Like, he really went back and studied all Tommy's drum parts. and. He fucking nailed it. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. Did so, you, did, sorry, John, did, did anyone else, no, in, no, no, did, no. did anyone else in Motley know that you were going out and doing the record? Did you ever hear Anton back? No, no. And that, that's a lot of, another thing Like a lot of the fans go, well, how can you do that? Like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, I can do it because a, I'm giving them their proper dues on the live album. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not cutting anybody out of the writing or the royalties or the publishing. I'm clearly stating that Nikki, Mick, and Tommy all wrote songs with me together. Mm -hmm. So I'm crediting them on the album, but I'm allowed to do those songs because I'm one of the writers. Yeah. So, you know, it was done. Everything was done properly and legally and all that other kind of stuff. Now, unless somebody gets hair up their ass and decides to, you know, make me cease and desist from selling the record um you know whatever but at this point right now i'm very pleased with it i finally put it out it's been it's been done for two years maybe longer mm -hmm. um so uh you know i finally got to put the record out and it's actually doing it's actually doing really well yeah so it's, i'm it's, very pleased john it's killer I'll be honest with you, it's a killer album. I, I was one thing I was worried about was how it was gonna sound. You already alluded to your vocals, but the actual mm -hmm. sound of that record, because like, you know, you've you've different guitar players on it, different bass players, different drums and that album has a monster sound anyway from Bob Rock. I was thinking well, that, is it gonna yeah, actually I, capture I, that? And and I, I gotta be honest with you, like I was concerned doing it live, um, how is that gonna translate? you know, um, live, like anybody that hears the original record, is it going to be, is it going to be as powerful? And, but I got to be honest with you, like we, we were, <laughs> we, we were loud. Um, we pumped the shit out of that stuff when we played it live. Um, my kid tuned his drums, like he, he did, you know, everybody did an amazing job learning the songs. Like there were some parts where, you know, it was just me and Mick and Motley, but there was some overdubs, some guitar overdubs that needed to be done. So in that situation, I would grab a guitar and I would play, and then I would have my two guys go on the record. It's a guy named Tommy Daly and uh, Jeremy. Um, they basically, you know, they figured out like, okay, you do this part, you do that part, John, you just play the rhythm, and we got this, mm -hmm. you know? And... um you know, and then we handed everything. We literally recorded one show in Nashville. That was it. I didn't want to make a big project out of it. So I said, let's do one show. And then Michael Wagner said, man, I'd love to mix it. He was at the show. Um, so Michael's like, I'll mix it for you guys. So we gave it to Michael. And he did what he did to bring out the biggest, heaviest tones that he could get. And 
literally, you know, it was like mixed and mastered one show, gave it to Michael. Like he just was like, sounds great. Cool. If there's any mistakes, we'll leave them, you know, and he just mixed it, did his thing and got the biggest sounds he could. And then I gave it to the record label. They mastered it. And, you know, everybody that's heard it said, fuck, it sounds great. It does. It's awesome. Awesome. John. Yeah. So, so let's, get, let's talk about the, uh, the dead daisies album, burn it down. Um, you yes. got a, you got a lineup change on this one. You got Brian Tishy. Where did Brian Tishy leave? You know what? Honestly, Brian, um, in all due respect to Brian, he's, he's an amazing drummer. Um, you know, the, 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 the good thing about this band is that every person in the band is incredibly talented, but it's also the bad thing about the band because everybody in the band is also incredibly in demand. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So Brian was getting calls, even when, like when we were on tour before, Brian would get a call to come out and do uh, a week's worth of shows with Steven Tyler, or he would get, you know, uh, Lou Graham or not Lou. Yeah. Lou Graham or Mick Jones. One of these guys would call and go, Hey, can you, can you do this or can you do that? So Brian last year, he, he got some calls to go do some things with Don Felder. And he did a few shows even with Steven Tyler with his solo band, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, filling in for somebody. And, you know, so he's in demand. Now, I think at the end of the day, Brian's also a gifted songwriter, guitar player, singer, you know. So he's just been wanting to do his own record. Um, and he kind of gets a little sidetracked doing some of these other projects. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but he 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 just... We we were getting ready to start the album, and he was like, "Well, you know, fuck, I've I've got this run that I'm doing with Don Felder, and you know, and then I've I've I, you know he's recording. Uh, I know he did a Christmas record, and he was going to do something else. And he's like, man, you know, like I, I, I'm just really busy. So he kind of pulled himself out of the, you know, out of this situation. Um." You know, so we were a little bit panicked there for a minute, you know, but we called up, we called up a bunch of friends that we knew, different drummers and, um, Dean flew out and everybody just fucking fell in love with him. He's just a really positive dude. As far as playing goes, they have different styles, but Dean is just, Dean is uh, as much of a beast as Brian is. Yeah. And then to boot, he sings like a fucking bird. Oh yeah. I'm assuming... Doug was probably the one that recommended Dean because they're in Revolution Saints together. Well, Marco's worked with Dean before too. Okay. Because um, Marco's very good friends with um, Neil Sean. And so I think Marco's done some stuff with Neil and Dean in the past. And now as it turned out, um, just like a week or two ago, Dean and Marco, um, Neil did a benefit for the, all those fires and stuff that were in California. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did some sort of benefit show in San Francisco and it was called journey through time. And it was, uh, Neil and Greg Raleigh. Oh, um, and then they had Marco Dean and another guy. I don't know who the other guy is, but, um, they, they did a huge show in San Francisco and they said it was a blast and, Dean and Marco and Greg did all the vocals and they just had a blast, you know? So, um, Marco also had played with Dean, but I was the only one, me and David were the only ones that weren't really, I mean, I knew, I knew of Dean Castronova, but I had never played with him. I don't think I even met him before, you know? So, uh, he flew out and met with me and David. We went out to dinner and we talked about what we want to do. And he was like, fuck, this sounds awesome. Let's go. Yeah. And, he delivered, man. He he walked into the studio. Marty loved him. Marty was like, "Dude, this guy is insane. He's <laughs> great drummer, and he we had a blast." Yeah. Now, when I had you on for the live album, John, one of the things you said about the way you record is you literally write stuff and then you record it immediately. And and, and one of the questions I never asked you the last time was, which one of the band members, which one of you guys took the most convincing? Do you think that that was the way to do it? Cause it's not that easy to do that way. You really have to have your shit together. I don't think really, I don't think anybody's got, um, it, 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 there's not an issue. Like we literally just get in now. Look, you know, at the end of the day, we'll have disagreements. I'll disagree with Marco about something or Doug or David, 
whoever. Um, we all disagree. But I think at the end of the day, we're all, you know, for lack of a better term, we're all, you know, in our late 40s, 50s, you know what I mean? We've been doing this long enough to know that what we're doing is a good thing. Um, we're all having fun. And, you know, yeah, we'll argue, but we'll argue to a point. We're not going to fucking throw a wrench in something and be assholes just because of our own goes. We all have them, you know, but I think that we've all kind of figured out like how to, how to talk to each other. Um, you know what I mean? There's, there's been times like I've had some, I've had some, uh, I've had some rubs with, uh, with everybody. I've had them with David. I've had them with management. I've had rubs with Doug, you know, and we just sit there and we're like, dude, you know what? Seriously, like, let's make our point. There's no reason for me to talk to you that way or you to talk to me this way. Let's just chill out and fucking make our point and move on. And we do, yeah. you know, so we're no real, we're really not that different from any other band. We do have our moments. But at the end of the day, like I said, we're all old enough and smart enough to go, this is a pretty good thing that we've got going here. Yeah, the, the one Let's... thing I was thinking, John, that might be difficult for you, is it, it's easy enough probably to record the music, but to write the lyrics, do you write? are you quick at writing lyrics normally? No, um, i got to be honest with you, and, and every time I go into a record, I'm fucking panicked. <laughs> like, I just sit there and I go, you know, especially the first two records, like Revolution, and then and then uh, uh, make some noise. Like you, you have to remember, like I I started Revolution with the guys on March 10th of 2015. We were done April 10th. One month, we wrote the song, all the lyrics, everything. Like not. Boom, mixed it, mastered it, done. And we immediately went on tour. And we were just tour, 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 tour. And then Richard and Dizzy got the call to go back to GNR. And we said, all right, we're going to get a new guitar player. And everybody, everybody was, in, you know, of the mindset like, okay, well, we're getting a new guitar player. We're switching labels. Instead of going out and milking this record a little more, let's just go right in and do another record. So we were back in the studio with Doug in January. <laughs> so, you know, we finished the first one in April. See, in May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, nine months later, we're in doing a new record. And I'm going, I, I don't know if I have any words left in my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, I was freaking out. Yeah. But somehow it worked. I, you know, as soon as I started hearing the music, and we started coming up with melodies. Then I started thinking of, you know, little key phrases. David gave me some phrases. But that's a good thing about the band. Like, if I get into a pinch and I'm sitting there and I'm pulling my hair out, like M Marty or David or Marco, somebody will come in and they'll just, they'll just throw me a shit ton of lyrics. And even if I only use like a sentence out of like Marco gave me five pages of lyrics for what became uh uh fuck why God I can't remember the name of the song <laughs> but he, he gave me like five pages of lyrics yeah and it was I, I was like uh oh the main line yep.
and he gave me all these lyrics and I only used like a couple of sentences but it was enough for me to see a line and go oh a light bulb go off and then boom it I, I just sat down and like wrote lyrics now this record Marty said Marty goes you know what let's let's do something different this time he goes let's sit down and we'll track we'll track some stuff from like you know 10 or 11 o'clock and he goes about five or six o'clock let's knock it on the head and let's have lyric hour so we basically sat down we put the song like uh whatever song we were working on we would put it on a loop or something like that and then me marty david and marco dean like all of us just sat in a room and i would sit there with my computer and everybody would just start throwing shit at me and then you know it was cool i mean it was still even as i'm singing i'm still tweaking lyrics marty's thinking of a better way to say things and you know we're still tweaking right up until I'm singing and then we'll go back and we'll listen to what I did the night before and we'll come in and go, yeah, that line just not killing me. Let's tweak it. And yeah. we'll still tweak it, whatever. But it was, it was, it's kind of easy, man. Like I, I don't want to sound like a, an idiot, but it, it's pretty easy. Like there's so many musical ideas from the band and then everybody will go, um, like if I'm in a pinch, they'll all, they've all got lyric ideas as well. So okay. it's a very communal thing the way we do these albums. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I just want to touch on one song, John, before I leave you go. Um, I, I find this album is a little bit more varied than Make Some Noise. And the, the standout track for me, I just want to ask you about recording it. Set Me Free is a great song. Yes. Um, you know, honestly, that was an idea um, that was that kind of came from an idea that Marco had. Marco is, again, he's very talented. He was just kind of sitting down playing the piano. And he was coming up with some chords. And, um, you know, we were like, oh, that's cool, dude. What is that? Oh, it's this idea. Blah, 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 you know, whatever. And we sat down and we worked on it. We had to tweak it a little bit because there was a couple chord changes that were like, okay, that sounds like, you know, whatever there was you know uh, another song that we were um concerned that the chord progression was similar mm -hmm. so marty and i sat down and marty tweaked the chord progression and then we just sat down and we wrote lyrics for it and basically it's just about a guy who you know he's in love with a girl but um he's just saying like hey i love you but i gotta go do this music thing i'm gonna be gone a while <laughs> you know, so um, I know it's hard for you. It's hard for me, but I I wouldn't change a thing. I got it. I got it. I love doing my music or I love going, you know, doing this road thing or being a little gypsy on the road. So I'll I'll see you soon. Yeah, you know what I mean, what, what, love you, but I got to go. What I love about the record is and I love make some noise, but it's not make some noise part two. And and and, you know. Not that we didn't want to do it. I think that's a good point for us to start at. But, um, you know, we don't really, there's not, I got to be honest with you, man, there's not a lot of thought goes into, like, let's do a record like this. We, we don't really, we we do, but we don't. You know, we just kind of sit down um, and we put a bunch of ideas on the table and we work on them. And even management, management will pop into the room and like, yeah, well, that one's really cool. Like, I, I love that. I love that idea. You know what I mean? And and they'll throw their two cents in, and then but then they leave the room and they leave us do what we do. And but at the same time, we also let the songs go where they want to go, not where we want them to go. Um, you know, so it's it's I I can't explain it, dude. Like honestly, um, a lot of people are fascinated or intrigued by the fact that we're able to go in with nothing. And come out, you know, pretty much, I'd say on average, about five weeks. We will write the songs, record them, mix them, master them, get the album artwork done. We do it all in about five weeks. Wow. But it works for us. It works for us. And, um, 
you know, I didn't think it could be done because I've never done a record that way. Every band that I've ever been in prior to this, we, we literally sat and wrote for almost a year. You know, and when management told us that first record that we had an album, we had a a month to do an album. I, w- I was like, wait, did you, uh, did you say a month? <laughs> They're like, yes, I did. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking impossible. <laughs> and they're like, nope, it's not. And even Richard Fortas, Richard's like, dude, check this out. And he gave me the, the it's called Classic Album Rewind, where they, they'll go do like a, you know, Queen Night at the Opera or whatever. Yeah. And I just, I literally, I just sat down and I watched two of them. I watched Queen do uh, A Night at the Opera. And I'm like, okay, well, they did that record in like two months. And that's way more intense musically than what we're doing. And then I saw the one on Deep Purple where uh, they did one on Machine Head. And Deep Purple literally went to Switzerland. They checked into the Grand Hotel. And that hotel burned down the next night to the ground. So they had to go find another place. They started in that place. Then they had to break down again, go to another place. And they still managed to do their landmark Smoke on the Water Machine Head record. They did it in like three weeks, <laughs> wrote it, wrote it and recorded. So I go, you know what? If Deep Purple can do, I think there's eight tracks on um, Machine Head. Yeah. If they can sit down with all of that drama and they can still sit down and write these eight songs in three weeks, we can do 12 in a month. We can do it. It's possible. I'm not saying we're going to do it, but it's fucking possible. Yeah. So, and that's what we did. Yeah. And that's what we do. So it works for us. Yeah. That pace works for us. John, before I leave you go, um, I know you got a lot of tour dates for Europe this year. I, the band might as well move over there at this stage. Yeah, I, you know what? I, honestly, at the end of the day, I think my wife would love nothing more than live on the beach community in Italy or France. So <laughs> there's a very strong possibility of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so do, you, do you want to give out all the uh, social media sites where, where people can get, get in touch with the band and see what you're up to? Well, they can go to um, www dot the dead daisies.com and there's tour schedules album release dates like any anything and everything dead daisies and then there's also uh john karabi music.com and there's anything in reference to any acoustic shows or anything i'm doing um it's pretty much updated daily so they can find everything right there at those two places yeah, well, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. And if if you get up to Boston way, uh, next time with the Dead Daisies or Solo, I'm definitely going to try and get out and see you oh, and say hello. Go go figure, an, Irish, an Irishman in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, the, that's it. The 17th of March is going to be good for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, 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 my friend, go have yourself a Jameson and a Guinness, and hopefully the next time I see you, I'll join you with one. Perfect. Sounds good, John. Have a good rest of the day. All right, buddy. You okay. too. You too. Bye. Bye. There you go. Richie's annual chat with John Karabi. And if you want to keep up with what is going on with the Dead Daisies, and of course, you want to head over to thedeaddaisies.com. And from there, you can see the latest videos, tour dates, merch, all that good stuff. One-stop shopping there at thedeaddaisies.com. And of course, if you want to check out the new uh, release from Rat Pack, John Karabi, One Night in Nashville, you can go up to a Rat Pack Records and get uh, the CD or the album or whatever. They got a whole bunch of bundles out there. But also, John has even conveniently put a link on his homepage. That is johnkarabimusic.com. You go there and boom, right there in the middle of that page, there's a direct link to head over to Rat Pack and order the brand new One Night in Nashville. What a guy, right? Make it that convenient to get his stuff. And uh, as I'd mentioned earlier, they do have a couple songs that are released that are available up on Amazon. They got a nice little thing there if you like getting your music digitally. I know I like getting it, you know, physical hard copy in my hand. But uh, if you like the digital stuff, you can order a couple of the songs already. And uh, actually, you can actually pre-order the whole digital album and Amazon will charge you for the, the songs that are released right now, right now. And then when the whole album comes out, they uh, will actually charge you for the uh, the remainder. So right now up there, they have the leadoff track, which I just played you a sample of a few minutes ago. It's called Resurrected. They've also got the second song out. It's called Rise Up. They just put that one out very recently, and there's even a, a vid up on YouTube for that one. And then they put the eighth track out. It's called Dead and Gone. So right now, they got three songs that they've uh, been teasing with. So that's pretty cool, though. They got a few in advance. Uh, nice that they're doing that. Gives you a few in advance. Let the songs grow on you a little bit. I think that's very cool. So again, head up to Amazon if you want to check that out. And, uh, you know, it just bears mentioning that, uh, again, remind you that on April 6th, not only the Dead Daisies brand new one, Burn It Down, coming out, but again, the Inside Metal, the Rise of Thrash Metal Part 2 from uh, my buddy Bob Nalbandian. That will be released as well. So you can get that pre-order in there right now. And if you haven't noticed our uh, our tweets that the uh, part one has been on, a lot of the streaming service has been available. Excellent, excellent DVD. And as I even told Bob a few days ago, I'm really digging that uh, the series just keeps getting better and better. They seem to be getting uh, really hitting their stride now with making them pretty cohesive. So again, that one's coming out on April 6th as well. So no idea what we're doing next week. In fact, uh, this week is actually a little different than what I had even planned uh, a few weeks ago. So Richie, uh, you know, we keep coming up with some great interviews and we keep shuffling around and stuff. But I felt that it was uh, important to get these two interviews out, you know, right now because uh, they, you know, they're kind of date sensitive as well. Let's people know, helps the artist, and we're all about helping the artist here on Focus on Metal. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this week's show, but that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for uh, my buddy Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, as always, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant.